Let's bow together, shall we, in the Lord's presence for acknowledging him in prayer. Father, thank you for all of your perfections and uh, the glory of your nature and all that you have done for us in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Thank you so much for sending the Holy Spirit who takes the things of Christ and shows them to us applies to us the wonderful salvation that Jesus purchased and then illumines the word that we might know the way we should live and the things we should believe. And Father, we pray today as we have been singing of uh, giving our lives to you that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts might be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, because you are our rock and you are our redeemer. We pray in the wonderful name of the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It is a privilege for me to uh, welcome Pastor uh, Richard Brown and uh, his dear wife Aurelia as well. Uh, and I know that word pastor means very much to uh, Pastor Brown because it's been a long vision of his in addition to the captive project to also uh, plant a church in Milwaukee and that vision is now coming to fruition. And it's a blessing to call you, Pastor, uh, this morning, Richard. And Aurelia, thank you for being with us. It's my first time to meet Aurelia. Uh, I've met uh, Pastor Brown uh, a few times, and so it's just a delight to have both of you here. And just so you will know, uh, they're, uh, they, they're not too far from uh, where the uh, Brewers play baseball. Ellen and I were just there on Memorial Day. They're about five minutes away from that beautiful stadium, and so if uh, you're driving through and you look to the right and you see that beautiful stadium, just please remember to pray for the ministry of the Browns, the captive project, and the church that will be starting next year. And so what a delight to have you here today with us. Thank you. Missionary Floyd Schneider told about a Christian and a Muslim who became college roommates. And as their friendship grew, they decided they would read each other's holy books, and so they alternated. One week they would read the Quran together, the next week they would read the Bible together, and eventually, I'm sure this is no surprise to us, the Muslim became a Christian. Well, one night he burst into the dorm room and he shouted these words. He said, you deceived me. And his friend said, what in the world are you talking about? And he said, well, I've been reading through the Bible, as you suggested, and I just read that the Word of God is living and active. He said, you knew all along that the Bible contains the power of God, and the Koran is a book just like any other book. He said, I never had a chance. <laughs> his friend said, well, now will you hate me for life? He said, no, but it was an unfair contest. Now that's exactly where Psalm 1 begins. Last Sunday, we started a series in the Psalms, and we began with Psalm 1, the two roads of Psalm 1. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn there with me again as I read for you the six verses of this psalm that introduces all 150 psalms to us. And I want you to follow along in your Bibles as I read once again Psalm chapter 1. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, you remember as we began this psalm last Sunday that we saw that it confronts us with choices that we must make. And the first two choices are between the world and the word. We must choose one or the other to influence us. Now, last Sunday, we looked at the influence of the world. And so this morning, we want to continue now looking at the influence of the word. And look again at verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, if the Word of God is to influence our lives, the psalmist says that there are two things that have to happen. Number one, we must delight in it. We must delight in it. C.S. Lewis, in his little volume on the Psalms, said that he felt this was an odd way to refer to the Bible. Uh, the law here is a reference to the whole revelation of God in his word. And said C.S. Lewis, we don't normally delight in laws. Now, we might respect them. We might feel they're necessary. Hopefully, we obey them. But we do not usually delight in laws. Um, if I'm in a hurry and want to get someplace uh, very quickly, and I'm stuck at a red light, I usually do not delight in the traffic law that says you must stop and you must wait. You don't delight in laws when they're a nuisance, perhaps, to you. So here's the question. What is going on here? This is very important. Because the word delight and meditate are connected. The psalmist is telling us you cannot have one without the other. So what's involved in this idea of delight? Well, I think verse 6 is the key. Notice verse 6 says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous. That word knows there is far more than just mental cognition. It refers to intimate relationship. We know that because it's contrasted in verse 6 with will perish, so this is a knowledge that saves. It's a knowledge that saves. We could describe this then as a saving relationship through Jesus Christ that creates intimacy with God, and that is the key to delighting in the Word. Uh, Ellen once told me that she has saved uh, all of the notes and cards that I sent to her when we were dating. Now, next Sunday, we will have been married for 31 years, so that's a long time to save notes and cards. 
I've told you I've married up. I told you that many, many times, and it's true. But you have to ask the question, why? Why would she do that? Well, we were getting to know each other and love each other, weren't we? And those notes reflected my heart. And she delights in those notes because she was coming to love me as her future husband. Do you know Psalm 119, four times David says, I love your law. David loved it because he loved the one who gave it. And here's what the psalmist is teaching us. It's only when you love the author that you will delight in the author's love letter, right? And how do we come to love the author? Well, it's through the new birth. It's when we're born again and we're brought into an intimate relationship with the Lord and he knows us and we know him and because now we love him, we begin to delight in his word. Let me ask you, do you love the author? If you do, you'll delight in the author's love letter. Now notice the second thing. We must meditate on it day and night. Meditate here is a very uh, picturesque and graphic word. It refers to sounds that animals make. The moaning of a morning dove. You ever hear a morning dove in the morning? And there's that guttural moaning that that dove makes. The growling of a forest beast. We all know when a dog is nervous, there's a growling that comes from its throat. That's the word here. For us, for people, this is a word that means to mutter. To mutter. That's the word. And you know what it means to mutter. It means to talk to yourself in an undertone. Uh, by the way, the problem is not talking to yourself. That's never the problem. It's when you start answering yourself that that becomes the problem. But that's what this means, to mutter in an undertone. Do you know that Orthodox Jews to this very day, when they read the Old Testament, they read it aloud? Did you know that? They mutter, just like this says. There's an old saying uh, that I think is very, very pertinent here as we think about this, and the saying is this, your Bible won't talk to you unless you talk to your Bible. Have you ever heard that? Your Bible won't talk to you unless you talk to your Bible. And you say to me, well, pastor, what kind of questions should I ask my Bible as I'm reading it? Well, these are the kind of questions. Is there a promise to claim? Is there a lesson to learn? Is there a blessing to enjoy? Is there a command to obey? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a new insight about God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, or salvation? Is there a new thought about the devil? Now, can you imagine if we just asked Psalm 1 those questions? How much this psalm would come alive? You see, these questions don't have to be asked audibly, but they must be asked mentally if we are to meditate. 
One of the best definitions I've ever heard of what it means to meditate on the Bible was shared by the old pastor, Pastor Andrew Murray. I want to listen to what he said. He said, meditation is holding the word of God in your heart until it has affected every phase of your life. Isn't that rich? Meditation is holding the word of God in your heart until it has affected every phase of your life. And when we as believers delight and meditate like that, then it will lead to the next choice in this psalm. Because the next choice is this, we must choose between only two alternatives. You see, just as there are two influences, so there are two outcomes or alternatives. Verse 4 says, if we follow the world's influence, we'll be like chaff. And verse 3 says, if we follow the word's influence, we'll be like a tree. Now, the key is the last phrase in verse 3. Look at that last phrase. In all that he does, he prospers. We have to be very careful here, don't we? This doesn't mean rich, because not all Christians are rich. It doesn't necessarily even mean healthy, because not all Christians are healthy. It doesn't mean necessarily successful because not all Christians are at the top of their class. Now, by the way, God does give us those blessings often, doesn't he? Amen for that. But this is a deeper kind of prosperity. This is spiritual prosperity. This is the abundant life that Jesus described in John 10 when he said if we would come to him, we could have life and have it more abundantly. Now, so that we will want that life, the psalmist contrasts these two outcomes. Remember, this is the psalm of contrasts. And so he says, I want you to have this life. I want you to experience this life. And so let me share with you the contrasts that occur in the outcomes if you will let the word of God be your influencer. Notice that he tells us the tree is hydrated. But the chaff is dehydrated. The tree is hydrated, but the chaff is dehydrated. We, we all know the importance of hydration, don't we? A plant without water quickly dries up and dies, and in fact, so does a, a human being. Do you know nothing is drier than chaff? Throughout the Bible, chaff is often compared to dust, so chaff is as dry as dust. I wondered this week, how much water does a tree absorb in one day? Are you ready? A large tree in one day can absorb 50 to 100 gallons of water. Your bathtub will hold 42 gallons of water. So think about the trees in your yard. They are absorbing an amazing amount of water. Now here's something else I learned. A large tree with an unlimited supply of water can absorb 150 gallons a day. This tree 
It has an unlimited supply of water, doesn't it? Because it says it's planted by streams of water. Do you know the Bible is likened to an unlimited water supply? Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 says this, We are sanctified and cleansed by the washing of water with the Word. The Bible is compared to an unlimited supply of water. It's like the tree that can draw up 150 gallons because it is planted by streams of water. I thought about this in my own life. I've been drinking the Word now for almost 50 years, very deeply. And it's never run dry. I was saved as a teenager, and the Word started nourishing me. I'm now a senior. The Word still nourishes me. All the years in between, I have come to this book and it has never failed to be a flowing stream that has nourished my life. That's what happens when the Word is your influence. Notice the second contrast. The tree is useful. The chaff is worthless. The tree is useful, the chaff is worthless. There's nothing more worthless than chaff. In Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist said, the only thing you can really do with chaff is burn it up with unquenchable fire. But I want you to notice this well-watered tree, it yields its fruit in its season. It yields its fruit in its season. Um, our cherry tree was pollinated for the very first time two years ago. In fact, we didn't even know it was a cherry tree. Uh, these cherries appeared on it. I didn't know it was a cherry tree, and so I had to ask somebody, is that a cherry tree? And they said, yeah, it is. Last year, it didn't get pollinated again, so it was barren. This year, guess what? There's buds on it. They're already turning red. It's been pollinated again. And you know what that tells me? That tells me come harvest time, we're going to have some ripe, juicy grapes. And either Ellen and I are going to have a feast or the Blue Jays are going to have a feast. That's what happens when a tree is useful. You know, the Bible compares fruit to godly Christian character. You know, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And here's what happens when you have ripe godly character. Your influence and your ministry to others becomes enormous. When you have ripe, godly character, here's what you find. People seek you out. You know why? They want to be like you. People want to spend time with you, especially if they're believers, because what they're hoping 
is that you will rub off on them. I've spent time with some godly Christian believers, and part of the reason I did was I wanted them to rub off on me. Here's what Pastor Dwight Moody said. He said, a holy life will produce the deepest impression. And he was exactly right. If you desire to produce the deepest impression on other people, you have a holy life of ripe, godly character, and that's what will impress them the most. And of course, what leads to that holy life? It's the Word. The Word produces that holy life. And then I want you to notice the next contrast. The next contrast is the tree is reliable. The chaff is unreliable. The tree is reliable, but the chaff is unreliable. Here's what happens in threshing. At the harvest, the grain is brought to the threshing floor and it is crushed so that the grain and the chaff is separated. Then it is all thrown high into the air where the wind comes and takes away the chaff. Because the grain is heavier, it falls back to the ground and the weightless ephemeral chaff is blown away. There is no greater picture of instability and unreliability like chaff driven away by the wind. But the well-watered tree, the well-watered tree, its leaf does not wither. Its leaf does not wither. No matter how hot the sun, no matter how parched the ground, this tree stays green, leafy, and fruitful because it is deeply rooted in underground springs. And think about the Christian who's deeply rooted in the Word. They remain a perpetual blessing to others no matter the circumstances in their life. They can be suffering. Things can be going in the wrong direction in their life and yet you go to visit them and what do they do? They bless you. I've had the experience of going to the hospital to visit a saint who was really suffering and I left the room thinking, you know what, they bless me more than I bless them. And that's what happens when you are deeply rooted in the Word. Do you know why after 70 years of oppression, the communists in the Soviet Union lifted that oppression off the backs of the Christians. Do you know why? Pastor Joe Stoll went to visit Russia after the communist Iron Curtain had come down. 
And in talking with a Russian pastor about this, here's what this Russian pastor said. He said the Soviet economy was collapsing due to mismanagement by the communists. President Reagan was aware of that. He knew their economy would eventually collapse if they tried to stay up with America. And here's what the Soviet premier, Mikhail Gorbachev, recognized. He noticed that Russian Christians were the most reliable workers. So he got his officials together, brothers and sisters, and this is an atheistic communist speaking. And this is what he said. Why do we oppress the very people who do not absent themselves from work who are not alcoholics, and who give us a productive day's work, we need their strength. And it was the strength of Russian Christians under persecution that helped open Russia to the gospel. Brothers and sisters, those Russian believers, their leaf did not wither. And why did it not wither? Because they were deeply rooted in the Word. Have you heard this old statement? A Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to somebody who isn't. Have you heard that? You see, if we want to be nourished, useful, and reliable, it comes through the Word. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I hear the words of Jesus, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you, then are you my disciples indeed. And so what do we see in this psalm? Two ways, two influences, two outcomes, two destinies. Two destinies. Remember Robert Frost's poem that we started with last week? Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. And which road are you on? What is influencing and directing your life? That's the question of Psalm 1. 
Let's bow together, shall we, and thank the Lord. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, let me ask you as we are in the presence of God, does the Lord know you because you belong to him? Have you been born again by repentance and faith in what Christ has accomplished in his death and resurrection? And therefore, have you been brought into intimacy with the Lord? One of the evidences that that has happened is you will delight in the Lord's love letter. And you will want to meditate on it. And you will find, as you do, that it is a constant source of nourishment that you turn to again and again. You will find it makes you useful so that you can be a blessing in the lives of others. And then in the dry times of your life, you will find it makes you stout, reliable, constant, and strong so that even when you are hurting, people will look at you and say, there's something different about you because you're a blessing. Even though I know you are hurting. And you'll be able to say to them, I've chosen the road less, less traveled by. And that's what's made all the difference. If you're not sure that you're born again, that's why we exist as a church, to help you. So that you can be sure that God knows you and you know him. And then if you're here today, uh, have you become a, a neglectful Christian? Have you become a Christian who is not deeply pursuing the discipleship that Christ calls you to? Do you have shallow roots in the word or are they going deep because of all the ways in which you are pursuing a deeper walk as we sang about with Christ? Whatever it is you need to do as Jesus calls to you. The abundant life is available but it's not automatic. Jesus has purchased it for us. But we must go deeper with him if we are to experience it. And so say today, Lord, I sang about a closer walk with you. But I want to do what will bring that about. Father, Thank you for this wonderful psalm that speaks so wooingly to us. We are here today because we have chosen the road less traveled. 
we have chosen the narrow way. We have heard the Savior say, I am the way. We have heard the words of Moses. I set before you today two ways, the way of cursing and the way of blessing. We have identified with the early believers in the book of Acts who repeatedly were called followers of the way. And today, we thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your love letter. We thank you for lives that you have redeemed, that you are transforming, whether we be teens, whether we be seniors, or anywhere in between. A constant source of spiritual nourishment from streams of living water. We thank you for Jesus' sake. Amen.